0: Welcome to College Street Victory Church. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. I just want to say thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us online. Again, we are streaming to both Ruth and Naomi's and the Joshua House right now and the Westminster ladies and everybody else on the World Wide Web. So let's give it up for them for joining us today. Awesome. If you're joining us uh, first time ever, welcome home. Uh, We work really hard to make it a come as you are kind of atmosphere. And you could tell we get a little bit creative because guess what? Our God is the creator and we were made in his image, Genesis 127. So and if you can't have fun at church, what are you doing? Come on. And there's a little bit of a competition between us and the kids' theater right now. So we got to step it up a bit. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I love what Rex said there. He said, Don't let society raise your kids. God has anointed who? You. God has anointed me. God has anointed you. Say, God has anointed me. Come on. You know, we need to speak over our children. And we need, we need to tell them that they are world shakers. Come on, history makers. This is our children, at least at College Street. Come on. We don't just put kids in the background. You know, we want them to stand up and be take notice. I don't know if any of you noticed some of the kids with the signs out front as you were coming in there. Wasn't that cool? No, we have the best kids team? Come on, let's give it up for our kids. And you know what we can really make a difference we can really make a difference on children on society by what by speaking God's Word over them right and you know as the summer is coming to an end and we're going into the the fall very quickly as a parent you know we can get caught up worrying about what our kids are going back to but let's be honest worry isn't gonna do anything for them or for you What's gonna do something for them is God's word. Not worry, but God's word. Are you with me? Come on. So when it came to our family this summer, we, you know, we purposed that we wanted to do a little less chasing and more leading them. So we challenged our boys and our two oldest uh, boys both got jobs, working for the crazy gringo, by the way. You might've passed him on the way in. We're a big fan of Mexican food (laughs) and David. So they both got jobs, you know, um, Logan's 13 and Aiden's 15, our other two boys. We challenged them a little more to do a little more help around the house and work around the home, but enjoy our neighborhood, enjoy, enjoy our community and enjoy our church. We had a lot of events happening at the lake and we all got to connect and gather and it's been a lot of fun. But, um, you know, our, it was our second oldest son that probably surprised us the most this year. Hey, honey. So Logan is 13 years old. Not only did he get a job, but he saved up and he bought a ticket and went on his first flight ever to Calgary, so nothing exotic. But he flew by himself, got a ticket, went there to visit his friends. And not only was he there visiting his friends, but he was also volunteering uh, in the local church out there with good friends of ours. Like... recently I was listening to this podcast and in the podcast it pointed out the concept of teenager actually never really came into play until the 1950s I don't know if you know this but adults first noticed that adolescents were uh, they were they were dictating the trends uh, everything from music fashion film and more right and they came up with this concept of a teenager but then they were already At age 14 working having jobs getting married and even having kids yeah isn't that wild what (laughs) that just sounds so far out now for us right but if if you know anything about the jewish culture uh a young boy becomes a man at age 13 a woman at age 12 and and that might explain why too they have a good history of healthy families healthy homes and healthy businesses so there is something there to be said because society as a whole has a hard time recognizing when they transition from becoming an adolescent to an adult you know and it's our job as the church to help them recognize and get behind their calling and not see them for less than what they're worth you know i just got together with the the youth leadership team uh, this week, and there's a, this thing going around where all the youth pastors are getting together, and they say, "Hey, the methods we've been using haven't been working in this season, and we felt so strongly our job is not to segregate our youth, but integrate them. Not segregate, but integrate. And I wanna, I wanna brag a little bit about this family and this church because this morning at our men's group we had five youth. Five male youths show up at our men's group. And we've also had youth that are showing up 5.30 a.m. to pray with the other men. You see, yeah, you, this is the culture that we were designed to have from the very beginning. The Jesus style of doing it. You know and I'm recently reading a book called marching off the map I don't know if anyone has read the book with Tim Elmore it's a great book I'd recommend it it's a book about moving into unknown territory you know as parents but not just as parents just anybody that has an opportunity to influence a younger generation so you could be a coach or a teacher Um, anyone of influence that wants to leave a positive influence on the younger generation and in the book it was created to kind of help us chart the course in our future but guess what else was created to do that Come on, it's what you came to hear today. You didn't come to hear me, you came to hear God's word. And so I want to go through Ephesians 6. If you brought your Bibles with you, I'm going to do the same thing I did with the men this morning. Hold it up, even if it's on your phone, that's okay. That counts too. Hold it up, hold it up. Come on, that's what I want to see. And uh, if you've got the YouVersion app, you can actually follow along. If you go to the YouVersion app and click on events at the bottom, College Street Church is going to pop up. My notes are on there for you you could follow along, or please, I encourage you, uh, take some notes yourself and go deeper. But let's go through that. It says here in Ephesians 6, starting in verse 1, this is the Passion Translation I'm going to read. It says, children, if you want to be wise, listen to your parents and do what they tell you. And all the moms and dads in the house said, amen, "Amen,
1: and the Lord will help
0: you. It's right there in the Bible. Uh, Verse 2. For the commandment honor your father and mother was the first of the ten commandments with a promise attached check this out you will prosper and live a long full life if you honor your parents who wants to prosper who wants to live a little bit longer okay good great crowd verse four fathers don't exasperate your children but raise them up with loving discipline and counsel That brings what? The revelation of our Lord. Loving discipline and counsel. Verse 5. Those who are employed should listen to their employers and obey their instruction with great respect and honor. Serve them with humility in your hearts as though you were working for the master. Verse 6, always do what is right and not only when others are watching so that you may please Christ as his servant by doing his will. Serve your employers wholeheartedly with love as though you were serving Christ and not just men. Be assured that anything you do that is beautiful and excellent will be repaid by our Lord, whether you are an employee or an employer. Verse nine, and to the caretakers of the flock, I say, do what is right with your people by forgiving them when they offend you. For you know that there is a master in heaven that shows no favoritism. Isn't that beautiful? So let's dissect this a little bit with the time that we have together. Verses one to three, let's, let's just start right there, okay? Children, if you wanna be wise, if you wanna be wise, listen to your parents, do what they tell you, and the Lord will help you. For again, for the commandment, honor your father and mother was the first of the 10 commandments with the promise attached. You will prosper, you will live long and full life if you honor your parents. So my first point I wanna talk about is, less fear, more discipline. Less fear, more discipline. Remember, in discipleship, the root word for discipleship is discipline. You know, growing up, um, I have great parents, by the way. I wanna honor them. I know they're watching on the road right now, but I wanna honor my mom and dad, but I think they did a pretty decent job with me, I'm just saying. Thank you, mom and dad. I'll give you the credit for all the good stuff. But growing up, my my mother read a lot of these um, uh, books that were fear-based parenting. And what I mean by that is, is almost like everything was the devil. You know, like Bobby Boucher. Everything was the devil. <laughs> That's the devil. <laughs> anyway, only two of you got that. Okay. Well, we couldn't watch most uh, secular TV shows, most secular movies, even listen to secular music, because the fear was that, right, Cam? It would brainwash us as children, Right? So, even today, society um, makes and feeds off of fear and makes a lot of decisions based off of fear. The news and so- social media, it gets us to make these decisions and even buy products based on a sense of false security and a pleasure if we do the right thing and we go for the right thing. And we as human beings will do almost anything to avoid fear and pain, right? So, the scripture is saying, honor our father and mothers, and with it comes a promise to prosper and have a long life. And did you ever think that maybe, just maybe, some of the reasons that we're not prospering in a season because we could do better at honoring? Ever thought of that? I know we could always do better at honoring. Even if you think you're doing good at honoring, it doesn't say good, it says great in the scripture. And, and having a culture of honoring is the Christ culture, is it not? Jesus was the best example of what it meant to honor and love one another. And so where could we get better at cultivating honor in our homes? How about when it comes to the way that we talk about leadership, the way that we talk maybe about our bosses behind the scene? You know, when our little, the little ears are watching around the table, right? Right. Because the first step in directing honor is the ability to be able to display it. Right? I'll say that again. The first step in directing honor is we must first display honor. Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Now this is hard for a lot of us coming in, especially in relationships when we grasp this, but I'm telling you the healthiest relationships that we come across are the ones that honor others above themselves, right? You know, my dad taught me, you know, to work hard, be respectful and be disciplined. My mother taught us that we are to love and obey the Lord and help others and be as creative as possible in everything that we do. And remember that everything that we do, that we are doing it unto the Lord. And then although, although my parents didn't always get it right, and neither do, do we, I never doubted that they loved me. I never doubted that. I always knew that they loved me. And I think that's why in 1 Corinthians 13, when it lists off all the things that you could do and have the gift of prophecy and move mountains, but if you have not love, you are nothing more than a noisy gong that everything hangs off this, Jesus said, to love God and love others. You know, people tend to forget what you did, but they won't forget the way that you made them feel. Love, love conquers all, right? In verse four, it says, fathers do not exasperate your children, but raise them up with loving discipline and counsel that brings the revelation of the Lord. I think that is greater than any kind of reason that you can come up with is the revelation. The revelation that they're going to get. You know what they're going to get? They're going to get the revelation when, and there's going to be a lot of times they don't understand. And we've all been there when we've been a teenager and our parents are absolutely nuts and they don't know anything. It's just that weird season. We become wise in our own eyes. But maybe more importantly, when they're trying to figure out why this and why that is not the reason but the revelation that you love them. And I mean, if you just walked away with that today, that your heavenly father loves you, that's probably the biggest revelation that you can receive today in a relationship with the Lord is that he loves you. He knows what's best for you. He's got the best for you. Come on, he loves you. So don't exasperate your children. Love and discipline in counsel. So that's the second point is less control, more counsel. I want to challenge us on that: less control, more counsel. Because when all—if all we do, whether we're parents or in a position of influence or a supervisor or an employee—if all we do is try to control, we eliminate choice. That's good. Someone should write that down. If all I do is try to control, I eliminate choice. In your relationship with your spouse, if all you're doing is trying to control you eliminate creativity you eliminate uh, collaboration it just becomes a relationship that is based only on cooperation you with me so less control more counsel we need we need proper disciplines we need proper counsel so that we can make wise choices yes I understand if there's no boundaries then all we're, going to ex- we're actually gonna experience less freedoms and creativity, and we're more likely to feel insecure and bail out before our breakthrough and our blessing. So we do need boundaries. We do need guardrails. You know, someone once said that you, you drive through California, I know we have a, a guest in the house from California, and you drive the coast, you'll notice the guardrails there aren't there to take away from your experience. Right? It's to keep you safe so you don't fall off the side of the road. Right? It's the same thing the Lord gives us boundaries and guardrails in our relationship and as we raise our kids. You with me? But we need to have choice. We need to be able to trust enough as they grow up and as they have the influence that you've taught them that they will make the right decisions. Right? It's loving discipline and correction that helps course correct and helps us achieve our call. You know, the word says in a man's heart, he plans his ways, but it's God that directs his steps. Are you willing to be a little bit directed, course directed? So we exasperate our children and our coworkers when we lead out of control instead of loving counsel. That makes sense? Good. Let's go to verse five. Those who are employed should listen to their employers and obey their instruction with great respect and honor. Serve them with humility in your hearts. Why? As though you were doing it for the Lord. That's why. Just as you do to the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you do unto him. You want to honor God? Honor your fellow brother and sister. Honor those that you know that you get to work with and work for. There's a bigger picture. But we sometimes get so caught up in, in, in the confusion that we miss the call. We get so caught up in our method that we miss the message. It's a beautiful message. Listen and obey with great respect. And honor. I think as society as a whole, for the most part, we're pretty okay at the obeying part, but I believe that we could do far better at the respect and honor part. Would you agree? And if we want more respect and honor in our homes and our workplace, we must first model it. We need to be doing less monitoring and more modeling. Less monitoring and more modeling. I'm not saying that we don't monitor things like monitor things like our kids' screen time and, and where our kids are putting their time. What I am saying is monitoring is not the solution. Modeling is. Modeling. More things are caught than taught. So yes, you need to monitor, but you need to do more modeling. And what's the best way to model it? It means living a lifestyle worthy of your calling right worthy of your calling the word says in romans 12 that we are to live our lives as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god and this is our true and proper worship relationship is all about sacrifice i don't know if you've noticed that putting the needs of others first sacrifice it's giving up sometimes your wants for something greater but you always reap what you sow that's the beauty of it right the way to receive honor is the same way that we sow it with humility the way to receive it is the same way you sow it with humility the scripture says with great respect and honor would you say that you've been showing great respect and great honor when it comes to your employers, I don't know, it's a good place to start because it's right there in the scripture. Again, and how do you talk about maybe those that are in leadership that are over you to your co-workers? How do you talk about them around the dinner table? Remember Luke six forty five says a good man brings out good things that are stored up in his heart and an evil man brings out evil things that are stored up in his heart for out of the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The Lord put this on my heart. You can't have hurt and hate in your heart and expect to produce honor. You with me? You can't have hurt and, heart, hurt and hate in your heart and expect to produce honor. We learned just a few Sundays ago, in Ephesians 4, it says not to let the sun go down, while well, you are still angry. So the day of your hurt needs to be the day of your healing. Ephesians four thirty-one to 32 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types. So just if you're wondering everything of evil behavior, instead be kind to each other. Sounds like kids' church, right? Be kind. <laughs> Be tenderhearted. Forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So how do we model honor in our homes? 1 Peter 3, 7 says, in the same way you husbands, listen up, must give honor to your Wives treat your wife with understanding as you live together she may be weaker than you some aren't (laughs) but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life treat her as you should why so your prayers will not be hindered Maybe some of our prayers haven't been answered yet, or they've been hindered because we're struggling with honoring our spouse. Right there in the word. Before we can even model it though with our hands, we must believe it in our hearts. We're not here to conform to the patterns of this world. We're here to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we will be able to test and see. So before we can model it with our hands, we must believe it in our hearts. You know, you become what you believe. You become what you believe. Even children, they will remain sheltered unless they see their strength. See who God has created them to be. And we are all children, by the way, of our Heavenly Father. And again, how we see ourselves determines what we'll even be willing to face. That famous verse in Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. It continues to say, Eat and drink, he says to you. His heart is not with you. See, what we could see in that verse is a person who is saying one thing with their mouth, but their heart is in a completely different place. What you, think about, what you think about matters because it is forming the basis of who you will become. The thoughts and the beliefs of the heart shape the reality of who you are. They shape your thinking, which ultimately shapes your actions, You believe what's in your heart. In order for us, first of all, to be able to even receive help, you must be open to receive it in your heart. See, sometimes who we say we are on the outside doesn't always line up with who we are on the inside. The Pharisees, for example, they were... They were good at pleasing themselves. And they were good at presenting themselves as devoted, righteous people. Yet what did Jesus call them? Hypocrites. Hypocrites. The word hypocrite in the Greek means actor. The Pharisees were playing a role on the outside that didn't reflect who they were truly created to be on the inside. Would you guys stand with me? I see this a lot in society right now. A lot of people are acting. They want to present a different image of who God created them to be. A lot of our children and youth are struggling with their identity. And we need to model more than monitor. We need to point them to God's word and speak God's word over them and what they are capable of doing and becoming. Because the same Holy Spirit dwells in them that dwells in you and me. God is calling the church to stop acting and start taking action. So let's believe and be who God has called us to become, who he has created us to be. Imagine if we modeled great respect, great honor, and raised our kids, influenced the younger generation with loving counsel. Imagine the course that we could chart as a church in our community for generations to come and generations to follow see discipleship is parenting you're all parents you might not have seen yourself that way but you are all called to be spiritual moms and dads in the family of god so whether you have kids or not We are all called to follow this example to follow the model of being spiritual parents as we grow and grow others in their faith the takeaway i have for us today is chart the course by being committed to the call of parenting we're all in say i'm in come on (laughs) well god's getting started i thought it would be cute you know my Sister-in-law did this cup for me and the shirt and everything. I'm actually gonna take some. That's yeah, good water. She put it on the back of my cup. This is a quote from Doc Brown. If any of you have watched uh, Back to the Future, he said, It's your kids, Marty! Something's gotta be done about your kids. <laughs> Who's gonna do it? We're gonna do it. You know, we're on this journey. We get to do this together. And we know church is messy. We know raising kids is messy. You know, and, and we just thank you for being open to being part of the process, to receiving the promises that God has for you. And not just for this generation and those that are here. There's probably almost 100 kids next door and it keeps growing and growing. some of you are teachers. Some of you are supervisors. Some of you are employees. There's always somebody watching you and looks up to you. And just know that God is in you and where you go, God goes. I just want to pray for you in the house today. If if anyone's been struggling with this and this, you know, going into this season that you feel like, man, I have really struggled. One, maybe with honoring. Maybe I got a Let go and let God, there's some forgiveness stuff that I just gotta deal with and give it to him with maybe my parents, your parents. You know, maybe you've been struggling at just what, that you, to be honest, haven't been really modeling the Christ model. Guess what? His mercies are made new every morning and great is his faithfulness. Today's a new day. And I would just encourage you just to invite Jesus in to your life, to your heart, to your season and let him lead you. Paul says in Romans 10 verse nine, if we believe in our heart, confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God, the father raised his son from the grave that we'll be saved. You were never meant to do this parenting thing, this leadership thing alone. You were always meant to be spirit led. Through God, by God. So if that's you and you'd like a relationship, not talking about religion, not talking about joining a church, just invite God into your situation right now. I'd encourage you. I'd ask that we all pray a prayer together. If you never prayed this prayer, just do so with your whole heart. Repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I know what it's like to mess up, to make mistakes. I know what it's like to sin. I'm asking for you to forgive me. I believe that you are my father. I believe that you sent your one and only son to pay the price for my sins. I believe Jesus that you rose from the grave I'm asking now, come into my heart, be Lord over my life. I thank you that my past is past in Jesus' name, amen. Just stay in this moment, all heads bowed and eyes closed. In the moment, it's cool how God works, something different and new. And in Isaiah, it says, behold, I do a new thing. I see God doing a new thing in your relationships and in your families. And if you just, if you believe in your heart, in agreement with me, that God is doing a good thing in you and through this series and through this message and through your family and through your friends, just put your hand up. Just put your hand up. I want to pray over all of you. Hands up all around the room. Lord Jesus, I pray a blessing like never before on my friends and on my family. I pray, Lord, through your Holy Spirit that you would touch them, that you would move through them, that blessings would chase them. Lord, that they would move with such joy in their hearts through this fall season. They would not live in fear, act in fear, but move in faith. In your name I pray, amen. And while you remain in this moment, eyes closed, heads bowed. If you prayed the prayer which I led us through just before this prayer inviting Jesus in, your heart and your situation for the first time, or if you're coming back to him, would just give me a thumbs up? All eyes are, thank you. All eyes are closed. Thank you. Awesome. Come on. Yes, thank you, Jesus. He sees you. Come on. <laughs> our God is good. Come on. Can we give God some praise in the house? That's what it's about. That's what it's about. God is so good. Well, we're just gonna continue to respect this moment, you know, and, and, and continue to press in and worship. Why? Because worship's our weapon. You know, when we worship, healing happens physically, mentally, emotionally. There's amazing testimonies and stories that are coming through of God's healing power as we worship. Why? It's because we lift his name up higher than any other name. He is above sickness, he is above disease, he is above broken relationships. And we call upon heaven on earth. On earth as it is in heaven. (laughs) And so as, as part of our worship and as part of our discipline, as part of our discipleship, we also fill a tank out of faith every Sunday for baptism. And if you don't know what baptism is is about, we are called in our relationship as disciples. Our first step in our walk with God is to be baptized. In the Great Commission, it says to go into all the world making disciples, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And at College Street, we don't make it difficult for you to do it. We want to step out of the way so God can step in. In Romans, it says that when you go under the water that it represents Christ when he was buried. When he went to the grave for you and me that you, you're you buried with him. The old you, it stays in the water. And when you come up out of the water, it says that you are resurrected with him. Come on. And so something really powerful happens when you step in and step out. It is an act of obedience. It's an act of love. And it is a display of your faith and your walk with God. And so if that's you, My beautiful wife and I will be right here. And as we worship, just come forward. We got clothes, towels, you name it. But let's continue to worship our God. Thank you for tuning in today and thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry.